Our reading today is the reason that we know him. John 3, 1 to 17. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Verily, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then can you believe I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If I were to ask you um, what you think is the most popular, most quoted section of Scripture in the Old Testament, you might say the 23rd Psalm. And that's probably true. If I ask you what was the most often quoted passage in the New Testament, you may say John 3.16. And that's probably true. As a matter of fact, if we tried to determine what was the most quoted passage in all the Bible, it's likely it would be John 3.16. And today we encounter that passage. The most simple, profound declaration of new life through Christ. We, we're we in a series, as you know, called Encounters with Jesus, and it's Nicodemus in this story who encounters Jesus. So first, who was he? Well, Nicodemus, as you heard from the text, was a Pharisee. He was uh, a member of a ruling party. He was also part of a council. Not all Pharisees were. They were teachers of the law, Pharisees, who took the law very seriously. 
And, and that was a good thing to do, as a matter of fact, because in Deuteronomy, Moses told the, the people of Israel to take the law so seriously that they were to bind them on their foreheads and on their wrists, and they were to talk about them as they walked along the way. The law was incredibly important. And so the Pharisees took the law as very important. They took it as so important that they were so concerned about breaking the law that they built what is often called fences around the law. They would put external requirements around the law so as not to trip onto the law and to offend it. So the law was that sacred to them. And they did remarkable things in interpreting the law and expanding those fences or the rules related to the law. An example is the Pharisees, uh, there's this long list of things that the Pharisees did uh, in terms of protecting the law. But one of the ways the Pharisees uh, interpreted the law from Leviticus chapter 16, verse 29, which says on the Sabbath day, Moses says, God wants you to remain in your home, in your place, so to speak. In other words, don't take long trips on the Sabbath. The Pharisees looked at that and said, there's got to be a more meticulous interpretation of the Mosaic law concerning traveling on the Sabbath. So they drew up what you might call extra rules related to traveling on the Sabbath. And they determined that anything beyond 1,000 yards from your home was a violation of traveling on the Sabbath. You couldn't go very far. The synagogue must be pretty close. 1,000 yards away from your home. Now, they knew that 1,000 yards away from your home was not very far. So they came up with some other laws to remedy that problem. One of the laws was if you took a rope and placed it in your home and extended it across the street to the next person's home, the two homes were attached, so that was technically one dwelling. So you could go a thousand yards beyond the second home. Fascinating, isn't it? Not only that, they said that you couldn't go more than a thousand yards, which was supposedly a day's journey on the Sabbath. Um, and if you went beyond that, you were going beyond your home space. But another law was drawn up that said your home space was a place where you had a full meal. So... If on Friday you deposited enough food for a full meal 1,000 yards away from your home, you could travel to that point, have your meal, and travel yet another 1,000 yards. How fascinating is that? It, we, we look at it and we say, well, that's legalism. And I suppose it is. But it's also taking the law very seriously. And that's what they did. They were righteous. Perhaps in the extreme. But they knew the law of God inside and out. Not only was Nicodemus a Pharisee, he was a keen observer of contemporary events. Because Nicodemus came to Jesus to discover more concerning Jesus. He says, we've heard about your miracles. In other words, I'm watching the newspaper here, Jesus. I know about you. I know what you're up to. I know what you're doing. I've been listening to your teachings. I've been carefully observing you. He was a Pharisee who carefully observed his contemporary culture. And he came to Jesus at night. 
And you may ask why. The answer, quite frankly, is we don't know. We conjecture concerning why Jesus was encountered by Nicodemus at night and not some other time of the day. It's possible that Nicodemus showed up to speak to Jesus at night because routinely the rabbis, by the way, Nicodemus addressed Jesus as a rabbi. The rabbis often did their study at night when they were away from the busyness of the crowds and the questions that came from students. And Nicodemus may have thought, being a rabbi himself, that's the best time to sit down and talk about the law and ask Jesus what it is that he means when he says this and that and the other. Or it may be, as most people have speculated, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night because he didn't want to be identified. Now there's reason to believe that might have been the case. Because we find out in John's Gospel that a number of the Pharisees actually believed in Jesus, it says, but were afraid to proclaim that publicly for fear, basically, of their jobs. So it's quite possible that Nicodemus slipped in under the cover of night. But notice this. He came. Notice something else, according to the text, if that was the reason, Jesus never called him out on it. He never said, why are you slipping in here under the cover of night? He just received him. That's who Nicodemus was. Now, in that encounter with Nicodemus, what was Jesus' message? It's a simple message. It's basically this. First, Nicodemus, you can't get there from here. Can't get where? To the kingdom of God. In other words, you can't start from where you are and get to the kingdom of God. You can't climb your way into it. You can't figure it out. You can't walk to it. You can't get there from here. Why can't you get there from here? Nicodemus must have been saying to himself, look, I'm a ruler of the people of Israel. As a matter of fact, I study God all the time. Surely my knowledge gets me closer to God Himself. Jesus says, no, it makes no difference how much you study God. It makes no difference how much knowledge you have. Your knowledge is not a ladder to God. You'll never get there that way. The Pharisees were known, as I mentioned, for being righteous. They were thoroughly in the pursuit of being holy people. And that's a wonderful thing. But let's put it this way. (laughs) Jesus might have said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you're trying too hard. You're going through the motions, Nicodemus. You're being disciplined. You're exact on your application of the law. The precision with which you approach the Scriptures is admirable, Nicodemus. But you're trying too hard. You know, often people like Nicodemus 
try so hard to be righteous that they become frustrated. They're overcome with guilt. They know they fall short. They even become angry. And really, completely exhausted. Have you ever been there? I mean, trying to pursue righteousness as if it's up to you alone in such a way that you're panting like you've run a race and you can't get your breath. It's as though Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you can't get there from here. Your good works will never take you there. You're trying too hard. The other part of the simple message that Jesus gives to Nicodemus is in contrast to that, a new birth is a necessity. You must be born again, he says repeatedly. Now you notice according to the narrative, uh, Nicodemus says, I have no idea what you're talking about, right? Uh, Give me a clue here. (laughs) Born again? You mean I'm supposed to go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus says to him, Nick, can I abbreviate Nick? You're a teacher in Israel. You lead people in their faith. You're a spiritual guide. You know the Old Testament. You wouldn't use that term. Inside and out. And you don't even have a clue about what I mean. Why would Jesus say that? Well, he might have said that. Because in the tradition of Judaism, if a person was going to come to faith and enter Judaism, a proselyte, they would undergo a baptism and they would be said to have been reborn or born again. Jesus might be saying, you've never heard this term? Oh, come on now. You know it in another context. Again, Nicodemus is a teacher of the law and a very wise man and he seems to know his contemporary culture and it's likely he also understood this image or metaphor from the mystery religions. Not Judaism, but Greek religions. In which a convert into any number of Greek sects or religions would be said to have been reborn or born anew. Or maybe Jesus is saying to him, you're forgetting the Old Testament tradition of Ezekiel where, Jesus, where, where God says to the people of Israel, I'm going to pour out water on you and cleanse you. And I'm going to pour out my spirit on you. Why is it you don't understand, Nicodemus, when I say you must be born again? So first, Jesus says, you can't get there from here by your good works. Second, he says, a new birth is an absolute necessity. And third, he says you must repent and follow. You know, uh, the the story that Jesus refers to the serpent or the snake in the wilderness. The people of Israel had revolted against God once again by complaining and grumbling. And God had had his fill of it and he allowed snakes, which would have been probably pretty common in the territory, to invade the camp. It's almost as though God said, I'm going to hold back my hand of protection because I'm taking you through this wilderness. I'm keeping you from being harmed. And as soon as I withdraw my presence, the natural elements will overtake you. And snakes came into the camp and began to sting 
the people of Israel and many of them died. And in response to that judgment of God, they cried out to God through Moses and said, please forgive us. And Moses, based on a command of God, constructed this bronze snake which he put on a pole. Isn't it kind of ironic that it was a bronze snake that he put on a pole and they had just been struck by snakes? And he put that pole and he hoisted it up and he said, look at this snake. And when you look at this snake, when you repent as you just did and look at this snake, you're going to be healed. An obvious allusion, isn't it, to Jesus on the cross when he says in that same passage, just like that, the Son of Man's going to be lifted up. Just like that, anyone who wants to be born anew or born again must look to that cross where the Son of Man has been lifted up and repent and follow. There's a fourth thing that Jesus says that's part of the simple message, and it's this. This whole thing, everything I've just told you, Nicodemus, it's all about love. It's all about the love of God. Now you say, well, that's a theme I'm familiar with. What Jesus said was not a theme Nicodemus was familiar with. Remember the most famous verse in the Bible? For God so loved the world that He gave His only, one and only, His only begotten Son. So that whoever believes in Him will not perish, which is natural, but will have eternal life, which is supernatural. You know what would have been stunning to Nicodemus in that phrase? God loves the whole world. It would have been a gigantic paradigm shift for him. If Jesus had said to him, God loves Israel, Nicodemus would say, yes, I got that one. If Jesus had said to Nicodemus, God loves you because you're following the law, he would say, yes, I understand that. But Jesus said, God loves the whole world. And the whole world is in the same condition as everyone else. This one is all about love, Nicodemus. It's not surprising in ancient religions, and especially in Nicodemus's mind, that God would come down and judge. But that God would come down and love is revolutionary. So in this counter with Jesus that Nicodemus has, his eyes are opened and he sees things differently. So here's three questions I have for you based on this story, this encounter with Jesus that Nicodemus had. First question is, have you moved beyond knowledge? Have you gotten past the I know about God stage? You know, knowing about God is not the same thing as being in relationship with God. Knowing about Jesus and His teachings and even following His teachings 
is not the same thing as calling Jesus Lord of your life and loving Him for what He's done for you. Have you moved beyond knowledge to love? I ask that question for those of you who maybe are on the edge of a decision concerning faith, but I want to ask it a little differently for most of you who are here today. You are not on the edge of faith. You've, you've surrendered your life to Jesus. You are, according to the definition, born from above, born again. A question for you is, is it possible that you're stuck in knowledge? Is it possible that most of your relationship with God is an intellectual turning of the wheels? And it's not personal and overwhelmingly loving? Is that possible? So the first question is, have you moved beyond knowledge? Uh, The second question is, do you recognize the need? There's no way to be born again. There's no way to inherit the kingdom of God unless you first recognize the need. Let me put it this way. You need to recognize this. That it's not just the murderers who need forgiveness. It's not just the so-called bad people who need forgiveness. This is a perfect example of it. Nicodemus is not a bad guy by anybody's standards. He's absolutely righteous. And he's in desperate need of forgiveness. You must be born again, says Jesus. It makes no difference how you have your ducks in a row. If you don't recognize your need, you'll never come to Jesus. So, do you recognize your need? Let me put it in the words of the Apostle Paul. Here's the reality. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. That's for everyone. The purpose of Jesus coming to this earth was, as he says, not for condemnation, but that he could give you the gift of salvation. It may be possible that there's someone here this morning um, who, like many people, Brandon's testimony reflects it, grew up in the church. And um, you dotted all your I's and you crossed your T's. And you did what the ladies were talking about a few minutes ago. You went to Sunday school and you memorized your verses. And maybe like Brandon, you never grew up and went off the reservation (laughs) and started living a double life. You've, You've been living a good life all along. There may be someone here like that this morning who's done all those things like Nicodemus and you still don't really know Jesus. You need to recognize your need and like everyone else in the world, you need to confess your sins 
and turn to him as your Lord. The third question is a real simple question as well. Are you ready to be born anew? Are you ready for a new life? Here's something I can promise with absolute certainty. Anyone who's ready and anyone who asks, anyone, God will not turn away. He can't turn away because it's contrary to his nature. He's a God that loves us so much that no matter where we come from or what we've done, when we walk to him and say, Lord Jesus, I recognize my need. I need a savior. Please take me. He will. That's an unequivocal promise from God. So my question is, are you ready for a new life? If you are, it's very, very simple. Lord, I understand. Please forgive me. Make me new. Give me a new life. I want to follow you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Um, Sometimes we, we must admit, Lord, that it seems a bit confusing. Sometimes it just seems hard to understand. But on other occasions, Lord, it's, it's just simple. And this is so simple, Lord. That sometimes we forget. We can't get there from here. There's, there's no way for us to achieve righteousness. So help us to know it and believe that, Lord. It's so simple, Lord. A new birth is just absolutely necessary. We, we must be born anew. And Lord, we know it deep down in our hearts. We know it even if we hadn't read it this morning. That in order to be born again, we've got to repent. And we have to follow. And we also know, Lord, that this whole thing is about the love of God. Because, Lord, you, you love the world so much that you sent your only begotten Son. And your only begotten Son walked where we walked, suffered under every temptation and pain, yet without sin, and walked like an innocent lamb to the cross never struck back. Not a fit of anger within him. And why? Well, because he was God, but also because he was bearing the weight of our sin. 
And his mission from the beginning, Lord, was to come and walk to the cross so that we could be free. So we pray, Lord, this morning, even right now, someone will hear uh, the voice of God. They will realize they can't do it on their own. They'll realize they must have a new birth. They'll realize they need to repent because it's obvious and they'll thank you for your love for them. And they will say to you, Lord Jesus, I recognize my need. Please give me a new life and let me know you. And Lord, if someone does, it will happen by faith. And their life will change forever. And for that, we give you thanks. In the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, we pray. Amen.